Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of changemakers, making a difference on the planet. Making a di- making a di- and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me the beautiful Christine Hassler. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, very, very beautiful in my post-workout sweat, no makeup. You get me completely authentic. I'm loving it. I'm totally loving it. Absolutely. Yeah, I just did my orange theory. I have my reishi mushroom, coconut oil, almond milk, coffee wow. that I make how I start my morning do my meditation before my workout so this is my my routine fantastic um Christine is a life coach she's a spiritual counselor and a generation y expert she helps individuals answer the question of who am I what do I really want and how do I get it I love that (laughs) so so Christine do you mind telling us a little bit more about your work who you are and what you do in the world oh sure sure I mean it's so funny when people ask me what I do, it's so hard to answer in like, you know, like one sentence, like I'm a dental hygienist, like pretty easy, pretty clear. Um, I've been doing, working and building my business for the past 12 years. So it's evolved. So I, I say that I'm in the, the personal transformation, the personal growth business, and I'm committed to helping people get over it and on with it, get over whatever's holding them back, whatever their suffering is and on with their dreams. And as a master coach and a spiritual psychologist, it's helping both the, clean up the past and heal the past yeah. and also, you know, enjoy your present, um, but take really aligned steps towards your future, not just action steps, but really being able to clear enough of your past out of the way. So vibrationally, you get in alignment with that, which is what you want to attract. So not only are you taking action steps, but you're just receiving opportunities and situations that are truly an expression of who you are. So the form, that's the essence of what I do. In is I'm an author of three books. I'm the last one with Expectation Hangover. I'm a keynote speaker. You mentioned I'm a Gen Y or millennial expert. So I do a lot of speaking in the corporate world and the personal growth world about generational diversity, leadership, women's women's uh, kind of uh, empowerment and the myth of having it all, responding to change. I host a podcast where I coach people live on the air. So you get to listen to unedited raw coaching sessions when I don't know the person. I just get on and coach them and then I break down why I did what I did. Um, then I leave retreats all over the world. My next one's in Bali and then I'll be coming to Australia. And, uh, I just finished, uh, shooting a TV show where I was a relationship coach on a show about love. So, and I have private clients as as well. (laughs) Busy lady. 
because you made it. But it's it's again like when I say this to you know people that are watching, keep in mind, I wrote my first book in 2005. Yes. So I was just a little baby, and so it, it it's been 12 years of momentum. And I think that the key thing, Kitty, that has given me not just like success, but like success I love, like purpose, yeah, heart success is I have done and I'm still doing, I'm going through another way now, so much of the inner work. And I don't approach that from the from thinking, oh, we always have to be working on ourselves and we're constantly a self-improvement project. But if you're listening to this show or watching the show, then you're somebody who's awake. And you know that part of the human experience is we are evolving so rapidly in consciousness mm-hmm. right now. We yeah. are living in a time where once you like drink the Kool-Aid, like once you're aware of like, oh my gosh, like we create a reality and my issues are having me act in certain ways and I, I'm, I'm creating my future from my past and you realize that you can shift and change, then, then the growth just continues to happen. So we're never there, we're never done. And I would say that my commitment to growth has been the key to my success because that that puts me in alignment with being in integrity with my work. And sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to go work at a bank. I'm, I want to go back to school. This <laughs> hard. Yeah. But that's all that I've So take us back just briefly, because obviously you said you've been doing this work now like 12 years. Um, you know, I know uh, that well, a long time ago that you used to work as a Hollywood agent. Um, and obviously there's lots of people listening to this and maybe they are in that job. Maybe they are waking up. Maybe they are feeling uncomfortable. Like, what was it about your your job? Why did you know you needed to leave? Well, so in Expectation Hangover, I talk about something called compensatory strategies. And these are the strategies we develop to make up for where we've been hurt or where we feel less than or to stay safe. So an example of a compensatory strategy would be, you know, if you grew up in kind of like a chaotic household or, or let's say you had a parent who was a little emotionally unavailable and only gave you kind of love and attention when you got good grades or you did things right, you might have a compensatory strategy of being a people pleaser. Like, I just want to keep everybody else okay. I get love when, you know. So my compensatory strategy was actually achievement. I was bullied and teased. I had a kind of a rough growing up outside the house. Um, and the way I compensated for feeling not part of something, for feeling scared, for feeling like I didn't have control over certain things because there was some abuse that I dealt with. Um, again, all outside my house, but it was, it, it, it created a, I need to find a way to feel safe. I need to find a way to put in. I need to find a way to get approval. And so overachieving was my thing. So I was the girl who, if I didn't get an A plus 100 score in, in, in class, I would, you know, be devastated. My parents would be like, it's okay to get a B. And I'm like, no, it's not even a B minus. Um, and that, that drove me. I went to a great college. And then, you know, if you're desperately insecure with something to, to prove, and want a sense of belonging and going to Hollywood and being with the rich and famous people is like, perfect. So I moved to Hollywood when I was 20, barely graduated from college. And I worked my way up really, really quickly. I was promoted to a full-on agent when I was 24. And what an agent does is you get writers and producers and directors and actors jobs. Like it's yeah. our job to get them jobs. And I was working in TV writers and directors and I um was also dating the head of a movie studio so between my life in the tv world and his life 
I was hanging out with celebrities. I was going to the Oscars and the Golden Globes and private jets and in the whole like drug alcohol party scene. I was never doing it. I was always the babysitter for my boyfriend and I was always a good girl. Um, but I lived that life and I just um, had the, and this is one form of expectation hangover. So one example of an expectation hangover, there's three different kinds, but one of them is you reach a certain point, like something, yeah. you reach a certain goal or plan and you don't have all the good feelings you thought that you would. It doesn't solve the problems you thought it was going to solve. And so here I was, super successful, making a ton of money at 24. You know, I remember sitting next to George Clooney at one New Year's event, kind of going, why am I not happy right now? Like, this is George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, most women would have killed for that. Yeah, and I was like all dressed up and like, a, you know, I mean, so anyway. I ended up quitting because I thought that that would be the magic answer. I didn't really like my job. And, and that's the thing. A lot of times when we pursue things based on our compensatory strategies, not checking in intuitively is like, is this what I really want? Yes. What I really want? Or, or am I trying to prove something? Am I trying to fit in? Like, and I didn't like sales. I didn't like being an agent. And I learned quickly I did not like working for other people. Like I am, freedom is my number one core value. It doesn't mean I'm not committed to things, but I need to, I need my, somebody telling me I have to be a certain at a certain place at a certain time. Um, so I ended up quitting and, and I thought, you know, I was going to go into the health and fitness industry and be the next, you know, whoever fitness celebrity, but that wasn't it. And I, in six months, everything kind of fell apart. I was estranged from my family because I made a choice that um, my mom didn't like. We've since reconnected. I went into tons and tons of debt. Mm -hmm. I got diagnosed with an undiagnosable autoimmune disorder on top of headaches every day for 20 years, migraines once a week, and I was put on Prozac antidepressants when I was 11. So I had depression, consistent headaches, and then I had this autoimmune disorder that no one could figure out on top of it. And then I was engaged, not to the Hollywood guy, but to somebody else. And six months before our wedding, he unexpectedly dumped me in our premarital counseling session. I had no idea. I was eating a turkey sandwich. He walked in, he said it, never eating a turkey sandwich again. And so I lost everything, my, my career, money, family, health, love. And, you know, I'm sure people watching have been through even worse. But for me, that was my life. Yeah, of course. Rock bottom. And I had a suicidal moment. Now, I wasn't attempting it, but I had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. That turned into an awakening. It turned into something bigger than me. But I think I was so beaten down that, like, my controlling, obsessive mind, like, stopped for a second. And something bigger than me, truthfully, was a miracle, came over me and gave me a feeling of love that I had, like, probably not felt since I was little. Like, love and passion. Wow. And um, once I felt that, once I caught a glimpse of that, I made a promise. Like, if I figured my way through my quarter-life crisis, I would dedicate my life to helping people transform their suffering. And that's what I've been doing for 12 years. Wow. I love hearing people's kind of like wake up stories. You know, yeah. most of us have gone through such amazing kind of near death, kind of like you said, all of your constructs came down and literally your whole world fell apart. But at the same time, it's probably the best thing that ever happened. For sure. And there's been more, you know, I, I said there are three kinds of expectation hangovers. One is you reach a certain point and you don't feel like you thought you would. Mm. two you don't get your plan like your plan you, you try really hard for something you think you're going to get a job or you think you're going to get married by a certain age and it doesn't happen yeah or like it was an unexpected curveball 
And, you know, I kind of had all those at once. I had the curveball, the fiance. I had like not, you know, reaching the, the job that I want. I had thinking I was going to be at a certain point in my life and wasn't. And, and since then, there's been a lot of other expectation hangovers. Like I got divorced when I was in my early 30s, 32. And um, that really motivated expectation hangover because I was able to go through a big disappointment in a different way because I had more tools. And so I was able to really melt disappointment and melt an expectation hangover for all the amazing healing opportunities that it provides. Because I think with most of us, when we have an expectation hangover, any kind of unexpected surprise or any kind of disappointment, we just want to get over it. Like we just yeah. want to like move through it, feel better. But then what happens is we push down a lot of stuff that it's trying to reveal to us. And then we got to like go back and experience like another breakup or another job loss or yeah. another time when we struggle with money. And it's like, you might as well just dive in. And that's why I wrote the book. It is like a guidebook workbook exercise it's not a sit on the beach and like flip through it's people always write me and they're like your book is hard and I'm like yeah but it works <laughs> so for someone listening who maybe has going through a kind of life trauma life change um, obviously they can read the book but like just while we're on the podcast what is it yeah. you're saying go deep go deep into those emotions and get, and get support like get help um don't think you have to do it on your own and and the thing I'll say right now is one you're not alone like you're so not alone. Like this is part of the human experience. Two, you didn't do anything wrong. I think that when we're in that disappointment, we go into shoulda, coulda, woulda. We use we we regret things, but regret is using information you have now to go back in the past and beat yourself up yeah. for something you didn't have the information you have now. So let that go. Three, get out of victim. Yes, have compassion for yourself, but the why did this happen to me? And the hopeless, helpless, that victim energy. It's just going to sink you down and you're going to be more and more disconnected from that part of you that knows your whole, that knows you're complete. And then fourth, acceptance. Like Byron Katie, I love her. She's a great teacher called, you know, she teaches the work. She says, when you fight with reality, you only lose 100% of the time. Mm. So here's the thing. You don't have to like the fact that you're struggling with money. You don't have to like the fact that you just got dumped. You don't have to like the fact that you just got diagnosed with an illness. However, if you continue to fight it, and want to change reality, just gonna have more resistance, more resistance, more resistance. Mm. So it's like you gotta just kind of move into acceptance that it's happening. Like I mentioned, like right now, I'm going through just I think I'm going through another up leveling. It wasn't triggered by anything, but I'm having just some challenging things come forward, some physical things, some memories, and and as much as I, I wanna be like, like, oh, and just kind of keep moving through my day, I'm like, okay. I'm just going to accept this. Yeah. Coming up for a reason, I'm going to work with it. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my preference. No. But I welcome it because I don't want the resistance to, to slow me down and to also put me in that contractual energy. So move into acceptance and embrace it and welcome it as much as you can because you will move through it faster. Yeah. And it's a really good thing that you said previously, like, you know, it's much better to move into it and work through it than resist it. And then it come back and bite you on the bum at a latter point in your life. Because I think- is such a good word. <laughs> we don't use that as, much. We don't use that as often as we need to in America. <laughs> yes, we don't want to get into bum and fanny because they mean totally different things in America and in England. So true. I was giving a speech in Australia once and- um it was one of my first time I was in Australia like four years ago and a man raised his hand and he said, how do I get my employees 
to stop wearing thongs. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you know they're wearing thongs? And he goes, I can see that. And I'm like, are they bending over? I'm like, I'm like, and luckily there was an American in the front row and he's like, he's talking about flip-flops. I'm like, oh, it's a totally different reference point. Yeah. Yeah, totally different reference point. Absolutely. Yeah, we we would we would be with you. We would say thongs are uh, something you wear rather than put on your feet. But yeah, you've got to be very careful. <laughs> so how do people tune into what it is that they're supposed to be doing? What's your advice? Well, I don't think there's any kind of supposed to be doing, right? It's sort of like, what's the most natural expression of you at this time? So I think that we all have our natural... I used to teach a program called Secret Sauce where I help people find their purpose. And how I defined Secret Sauce was it's a combination of the, your unique gifts, like the things that just come naturally to you. You know, like, for example, my sister is an amazing, okay, she can just decorate and pick things and just, she just has such great, but she can just see things. And I'm like, how do you do that? That is so hard for me. She's like, it's easy. I'm like, that's one of your gifts. Like it comes naturally to you, no problem. I mean, then just your interests, like, even if you're not really good at it, like, what are the things that you're just naturally drawn to? And then like your unique life experience that has has given you tools, you know, like my unique life experiences of my own physical, mental, emotional struggles have given me a lot of experience with like human optimization, right? And personal transformation. Um, So when you kind of look at all those three things, your, your gifts, your interests, and just your life experience and what what kind of knowledge that has given you, what kind of passion that has given you, then you start to really kind of look at, all right, how am I here to serve? Like, and I think that a lot of people attach purpose to career. And I wish we'd stop doing that because I think that a lot of people think if I'm not doing a job that's like changing the world, then I'm not living into my purpose. And really our purpose here is to learn and grow. It's to complete karma. It's to to evolve into consciousness, to become more aware of the love that we are every day, to connect with people, to have joy, to really enjoy life. Like that is the purpose. And then however that expresses through you, maybe it's a job, maybe it's being an amazing spouse, maybe it's being an incredible parent, maybe it's through volunteer work, maybe it expresses through your artwork that you don't necessarily have to sell, but that's how it expresses. Um, maybe it's smiling at a stranger. So I think that the more you get clear about what your secret sauce is and how that wants to express through you, then you can get more clear on your purpose. And don't think that just because you have a job that's not like, you don't feel like you're making a big impact. You can, your purpose to be there Maybe you know, a lot of people that work in kind of corporate America say, well, I'm on this personal growth path and I want to do something more purposeful. And I said, listen, if all the light workers, if all the people that were in the trans, that like, are consuming personal transformation are and are evolving in consciousness, leave corporate America, what are we going to do? Like we need those people in the government, corporate America and wherever, because how consciousness spreads is the same way cold spreads. How consciousness spreads is the more people that have it and wake up, the more the easier it is for other people to grab a piece of it and grab on. So maybe your purpose is just, to, not just, maybe your purpose is your contributing you're part of team up leveling right you're part of the team that has come in at this time to help evolve the human species and how can people perfect how can people because obviously what you're saying is so true and how can people get in tune with their intuition because you know that's really our guiding 
uh, light almost like that's the thing that I think we need to really hone in on to utilize yes well I think the first thing is to um break down any misunderstandings of what intuition is like I was working with a client and she's been in the personal growth work for a while she's probably in her 50s and she was really sad because she doesn't hear angels speaking to her and like other people do and, and she thinks that that means or guides like she doesn't hear it and, and doesn't see visions and auras and she thinks that means that she isn't tapped into her intuition and I said okay look everyone's intuition is different in terms of how it speaks to us um I consider myself very intuitive my work is very intuitive I don't hear like this voice an angel like it's just it's almost like just a direct knowing or feeling or sensation and some people do see things some people have dreams some people notice synchronicities in the world so it's really starting to look at how your intuition speaks to you. We all have our own personal relationship with our intuition and track it. You know, one of my teachers, Mary Holnick, um, where I got my master's degree in spiritual psychology, she would say that she kept an intuition journal when she was learning how to like have a relationship with her intuition because we all have it. We're super connected to it when we're little, but then the ego mind takes over and the volume of the mind is just so loud. And the volume of intuition is quiet. And like, unless it needs to protect us, like, unless it's like, don't walk down that dark alley, like, it's pretty quiet. And so we have to get quiet to be able to hear it. And it's, so it's carving that space and like really through meditation or through walking on the beach or through sometimes through exercise, like whatever it can be to kind of quiet that mind so that you can start to really listen and then keep a little journal of like things, you, little nudges you felt throughout the day, like, I thought of my friend, Alexi, and I sent her a text and she was like, oh my God, I was thinking about you too. Or I've had a really hard day. Thanks for reaching out. Or I noticed the certain license plate, or I felt like I wanted to go this way instead of this way. And I ran into, it was just kind of like track it. And the more you develop a relationship with it, the more it will trust you. And the other thing I'll say about it is, is, you know, I know you have mostly women listening. And I think that as women, we're just like, we're so lucky to be here at this time because there's such like a surge in feminine empowerment coming. And there's such, there's amazing divine feminine energy coming in. And we're also more kind of ambitious than we ever have been because mm-hmm. we just feel all this, you know, like enthusiasm. And that ambition can sometimes put us more in our masculine energy. And we can trust that more than our intuition. Like we trust the doing more than the being. Like I coach women all the time building business and I'm like, you're doing too much. There's no space. Mm. We're receivers. Mm. We, we need to work more intuitively and you've got to carve out space so the universe can kind of give you some, some things, you know, and that's really how I run my business is, and it wasn't always like this. I had to reverse it. I would just do, do, do. Yeah. Had a goal and I would go. And now I sit, I listen, I feel into what I'm being guided to do, how I want to be used. So my intuition is the leader, and then my masculine energy responds to it. Mm. So it's the being that brings it in. And then and then once I get kind of the insight, then I bring in the doing to create it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really just about carving space and trusting it. Like when you get like, for example, I just moved to, I lived in LA for 16 years and I just moved to North County, San Diego, completely an intuitive thing. I was happy in LA. Oh, wow. Okay. But my intuition was like, you need to go. And I waited and I dilly-dallied. Quick story. And 
finally in December, I was like, okay, I'm all in universe. Cause it's hard for the universe to give you your manif- manifested desires when you're not all in, like when yeah. you're wishy-washy, you're yeah. kind of like, what? Well, yep. Got to fully commit. You got to fully commit. And so I'm like, I was driving down here looking for a place and I'm like, okay, I will give my notice January 1st. Even if I don't find a place, I am all in. And I wrote down what I wanted. I found my place. Like the next day, dream place. Like I'm looking out into the, uh, onto the ocean right now. Wow. It was always a dream of mine. And um, the day before, like a week before I was moving, my friends threw me a party in LA and I have an amazing tribe in LA. And I got a little sad and I was like, oh, like, okay. Like I really need to know that I made the right choice here. Just need a sign. And the next day I'm cooking an egg and I have an electrical fire in my house in LA that luckily I rented. Yeah. The fire department came and it was so bad. The wiring was so bad that I had to move out for six months anyway. Wow. They would have made you move. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I get it. Thanks. And do you know, and has it become clear why you've had like, what's opening up for you now you've moved? How exciting. Um, A lot of things. It's, well, it's funny. I moved here and then three weeks later I got booked to shoot this TV show that shot in LA. Ah, so I moved here and no. then for three months I'm driving back to LA once a week. So it's just like, but I know that had I known the TV show was coming, it would have delayed me moving. So I would have been like, well, I'll just stay to finish this. Um, I think that I needed to move for a couple reasons. One, I needed to have my dream of living on the water. Like that was such a heartfelt thing. Two, I needed to be out of the frenetic energy of LA. Um, like I said, going through a, a bit of an up-leveling consciousness myself. My own kind of gifts are opening more. And the energy of LA was not, I, that wasn't possible. I had to fight off too much. It's very dense. There's a lot going yeah, on. Very dense. Yeah. Very dense. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm single and I think that this is probably where I'm going to fall in love as well. So we'll oh. see. Do you know, when I, when you said that, Christine, I got, look, my, so my guides, how my guides communicate with me is they send shivers down the back of my spine. So yeah, your man is on his way. I can. I can feel him. My God, that was, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, how exciting. Now I got too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do a check-in in six months and see how you're getting on. But yeah. Let's like call it three weeks. Okay. <laughs> well, as soon, I tell you what, okay, let's do it this way. As soon as he comes, you need to let me know because he's definitely, he is definitely on his way. Believe me, I've been waiting a while now since my divorce and I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to, you know, I'm probably going to have to do like a, a press release about it. But, and that's, you know, maybe you have some single ladies watching too. And I think that again, back to the feminine is going through so many shifts right now. Men are a little bit, um, a lot of men are very confused about what the masculine is and how to respond to this new feminine energy because we haven't really been embodied in this vibration as women in, I don't know for how long, but thousands of years. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of men are kind of like, uh, you know, and, and so there, I know there's a lot of really amazing women looking for men out there. And I think that we just need to give them a little time and they're coming, they're coming, but they're a little, I don't want to say behind, I would say more confused just about what it means to what what empowered masculinity looks like right now yeah i think yeah you're, there's the right when you get the right one like mm-hmm. yeah you need one yeah you just need the one and so i'm getting married in september and i was oh, congratulations 
thank you. You're single for eight years and I waited a long time and like it's worth the wait. Like, you know, my partner had his own kind of awakening and whatever else and yeah, he's uh, he's worth they're worth the wait, like Christine, you're gonna you're gonna make the most amazing man. I can feel it. I can absolutely oh, thank you. Absolutely feel it. fantastic. And for those of you listening who really want to find out more about Christine and her work, we'll have all her details in the show notes. So you'll be able to look her up, go and listen to that amazing podcast. <laughs> but thank, thank you, you so much for joining us this morning. Post workout, I'm loving it. Yes, now I have time to go get my shower. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me thank you everyone for watching or listening and yeah come find me come connect with me say that you heard me on kitty talks because i always like to know who people connect from and um this was just a great way to start my day so thank you excellent we will see you again next week on kitty talks bye-bye thank you so much for listening to kitty talks be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.